This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome back to Podcast Unlocked. It's another week of IGN's weekly Xbox show. Uh, this is episode 544, April 19th, 2022. I am happy to be back with you after a week away last week. And I am joined by Destin Legary. How are you, sir? Bam, doing great. How's it going, Ryan? Going well. Uh, I Thanks. got, uh, yeah, I, I had a great week of not even opening Twitter, not opening Hell work yeah. email. <laughs> Felt good. So I'm recharged, ready to be back. Stella Chung, how are you? I'm good. Uh, went back to film in the studio for the first or no, second time yesterday. So that felt good. Things feel kind of normal-ish now. Um, so yeah, excited. Hopefully I can move unlocked to shoot there too, but we'll see. <laughs> Excellent. We'll look forward to that. And rejoining us, a friend of the podcast from the his own Xbox show, My Xbox and Me, MC Fixer, joining us from London. How are you, my friend? doing well i just come back from america so i'm very refreshed as well so uh Excellent. looking forward to being here thank you for having me again you're quite welcome well what were you up to uh, on our side of the pond i was in texas i was being a cowboy for a week my fiance has got some family out there and uh, yeah. it's my first time in the us i always thought it'd be sam fran to come and do a podcast with you guys but never never happened you know covid uh, you know i thought it'd be gone by now but uh, yeah, here we that... are <laughs> I think I saw you at a Mavericks game, right? I was. Not, not that I yep. was there, but I saw the picture of you at the Mavericks yep. game. So it, it was crazy. We, we got sent out there. Her aunt paid for it all and was like, oh, go to a Mavericks game. You get to see LeBron. LeBron didn't play. But Luca, <laughs> oh, played. No. Luca played and he was amazing. So I was like, yeah. okay, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, you got to see one superstar at least. As the uh, NBA playoffs are underway, I'm hoping my Phoenix Suns might finally end the 50-something year championship drought. But that's a topic for another podcast that I need to start, which is a sports podcast. Uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't have time for that. But anyway, uh, I do have time for Unlocked. So here we go. Um, first of all, real quick, I want to say a thank you. I know he's listening. Adam Cole for stepping in and hosting in my absence last week. The, I don't think I've ever seen a more positive YouTube comment section than the, than the comments on YouTube for uh, last week's Unlocked, which Adam Cole uh, wrestling superstar Adam Cole hosted here. It seemed like you all had a fantastic time, which is that, that's all I was looking for. Um, so that was that was great. Very nice of Adam to take the time to do that, and uh, really appreciate the IGN team here, both on camera and behind the scenes, for facilitating that as well. Uh, speaking of things that need to be facilitated, Portal's main writer Eric Wolpaw <laughs> says Valve needs to facilitate Portal Three ASAP. Uh, this was my favorite story of the week, so we're going to start here. As reported by Video Games Chronicle, Eric Wolpaw appeared on the Kiwi Talks with a Z, Talks podcast, and ended his appearance by saying, we've got to start Portal 3. That's my message to, to whoever. He continued to say that he isn't getting any younger uh, and that if Valve wanted to do a Portal 3 with any of the original team members, it should green light the project sooner rather than later. Quote, I'm not getting any younger. We are reaching the point where it's crazy to think that we're literally going to be too old to work on Portal 3, so we should just do it. While he admits he would love to work on Portal 3, he understands he can't make it happen by himself. Quote, oh, I could advocate for it. It might help a little bit. 
But the problem is Valve has 300 employees and I don't know exactly the breakdown. How many of them are on the production side versus the Steam business side versus legal versus whatever. So there's a lot of opportunity to cost to taking 75 people and trying to get a game made. As much as it seems like Valve often is just a bunch of people sitting around sipping gin and tonics by a pool, everybody's working. They're working all the time. It's just you don't always see the result. It doesn't always end up coming out or it comes out years later. It gets turned into something else. So everybody is accounted for, I guess is what I'm saying. People are all doing something. So he continues here saying, you'd almost have to take them. It's like a revolution and stir up a bunch of people to leave what they're currently working on and come work on something else. In this case, it would be Portal 3. The problem is you would make money, but what kind of money will you make? Are you gonna make Counter-Strike Go money? Probably not. Having said that, maybe every game doesn't need to make Counter-Strike Go money. You know, Gabe, if you're listening, <laughs> referring of course to Valve's co-founder, uh, founder and boss, Gabe Newell. Uh, so Portal 3, You've got the main writer championing it, wanting to see it made. Uh, Fixer, I'm going to go to you first. Is Portal 2, uh, it, Portal 2 is for many people one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, what What is your level of love for Portal? Where does it rank? It's a puzzle game, and I'm sorry. I can't do puzzles. <laughs> oh, I'm just no. not smart enough. I'm, I'm terrible at these games. So I remember playing this through solo, and I know you can play it co-op if I'm not mistaken, right? There is a co-op <laughs> mode, I, yeah. I had a few friends that were on me all the time. They were just like, come on, we can do this. We'll get you through this. And we tried a few times and I was just like, do you know what? No, I know, I know. It's the, one of the greatest games ever. And people who love it, keep on loving it. But for me, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Puzzle games is going for my head. I'm terrible at them. Well, that's fair enough. Not every genre <laughs> is for everyone. I mean, hey, I'm, Elden Ring is uh, clearly the front runner for Game of the Year, but it's not my cup of tea there. So exactly. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Destin, how about you? Portal, uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Eric's attempts to, to spur Portal 3 into existence? Well, first of all, Fixer, how dare you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> how dare you? I saw the news. I knew I was going to get it. I knew what was coming for me. <laughs> Rightfully so. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> um, I would love a Portal 3. I, I don't feel like it needs to happen or anything like that, but it would be nice if it happened. Uh, the Portal, Portal franchise is an amazing, amazing game to play, unless you're certain people for some reason. But uh, for me, I'd be very happy if Portal 3 came and uh, was a game that was created. But at the same time, I'm not like vying for a Portal 3 or anything like that. It has been over 10 years now. It was 2011, mm -hmm. Portal 2. And and yeah, you're right. It did end on a pretty great note. You know, I'm not going to mm -hmm. spoil the ending of Portal 2 for anyone. Uh, if anybody out there hasn't played it, such as Fixer, it's time to fix that <laughs> and get in and play. Because it, it will hold up. That's the, the beauty of Portal. It's Even though it's a yeah. first-person game, it might you might think, eh, it looks a little old. Really, I would argue the, I mean, you're seeing video if you're watching us on YouTube or on IGN right now, and it's the art style is sort of distinct enough where it doesn't really, it hasn't really aged that poorly. I think it's aged pretty well from a, from a visual standpoint. Uh, but yeah, the, the ending of that game is something to behold. Let's put it that way. Now, Stella, uh, are you? Are you a portal player? Do I have to do I have to kick Fixer and you off of this episode? 
I don't think you could, <laughs> but no, yeah, no, I love Portal. Um, it, it's so funny. It's actually, uh, so my friend played for the first time because I was like, oh, we could do some co-op games because we didn't know what to do because we both played It Takes Two. And he was like, oh, I never played Portal 2. And I was like, oh my God, we need to play. Um, and I had already finished all the co-op levels, but like going back to it, you forget how complicated some of these puzzles are. Yeah. And it blows my mind every time I play it. Even if I've already done some puzzles, I'm just like, wait a minute. I don't remember how I did this. Um, I don't remember how specifically, like the way that you find different ways to do things, even if it's not proper, uh, it's so great. And the fact that these, the developers' brains were so big to make these sorts of puzzles, I'm just like, you know, I totally get their concerns about time constraints with making another Portal 3. And I'm with Destin with, I don't think it has to happen. Like, I think the gaming community would be fine without a Portal 3. But honestly, I think we would be better for having a Portal 3 because it it would just hold up for so like it's 10 years and Portal 2 still holds up. So I feel like Portal 3 would uh, last us quite a long time in the gaming generation. And I feel like it would still be one of those classics, you know? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, case in point, Half-Life Alex. Like we didn't necessarily need another Half-Life game beyond Half-Life 2, one of the, again, one of the greatest games of all time. But then I would argue that Alex is also one of the greatest games of all time and easily, e easily best VR game of all time. That's like not even close. I mean, with respect to stuff like Beat Saber and some other great VR games that people love. I mean, if if you haven't played Half-Life Alex, it is it is everything that you dreamed VR would be when you were a kid and you knew that VR was a thing that was gonna happen someday. Alex is the closest thing that anyone's done to realizing the the full gaming potential of uh of vr and kind of on that note one thing i remember valve talking about with alex i think it was in jeff Keeley's final hours documentary was the fact that they had talked about how with half-life 2 it took so long and it was a, a painful development process in in large part because they were developing the engine, the source engine, along with the game. Uh, whereas with Alex, they got Source 2 done first and then just built Alex and it all went much more smoothly. And for Portal 3, well, huzzah, we this the engine's done. Like they already made it. It's sitting there. It's waiting to be to be used to have something fun done with it after Half-Life Alex. So that for me is like. That would that would cut the development time by uh, at least a bit. I mean, I think Alex took four years with even with a completed engine. So even if Walpaw was successful in in stirring up uh, a cadre of folks at Valve to do this today, it, we're not going to see it for probably three to four years. But uh, do I think it should happen? Yes. Does it need to happen? Yes. Uh, and and to his point about about the financial side of it. He's totally right that Portal 3 would never make Counter-Strike Go money because Counter-Strike just keeps making money all the time. Same thing with the Team Fortress, Team Fortress 2 and the hats, the whole hat thing. But uh, Half-Life Alex again, is case in point. Valve made that because they wanted to. I've said this on the podcast before, like, I feel like nobody, really nobody else could have made Alex because you make a 10 out of 10, the greatest VR game of all time, and you spend four years and 
70, 80 people of 70 to 80 of the most talented developers on the planet to do it. In any other non-Valve circumstance, the ROI on that would never work because you, I mean, Alex probably has only sold, I don't think Valve's given numbers, but it's probably only sold a couple hundred thousand copies at best because it's a VR game. Uh, and Portal at least would have the advantage of, they wouldn't have to do it as VR. I would hope that if Portal 3 did happen, it would be a you know regular TV screen game, monitor game, but also VR, because I mean, hey, Portal would be a phenomenal experience in VR other than potential motion sickness, which they'd have to account for. But uh, the, the, the sales potential of Portal 3 would be significantly higher. And Valve also makes more money every day from their cut of every Steam game sold that they don't have to worry about making Counter-Strike go money every time. So uh, that's the end of my soapbox rant on this. But I want to go back to Stella. If Portal 3 did happen, you know, we saw how 2 kind of really amped up all the mechanics from the first one. What would you want to see 3 do that, that 2 hasn't done? I don't know if I would. Well, okay. So my brain is way too small to think about like any new puzzles or anything. So I definitely can't speak to that. But um, honestly, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe more co-op story stuff because the co-op missions were cool, but it's not, it wasn't really story, right? Like, or right. Not, not like uh, single player the main plus story, another yeah. person. Yeah. So maybe that'd yeah, be You played the nice. two robots, Atlas and, um, do you remember the name of the other? I can't remember the name of the other one. Oh, I can't remember now. I <laughs> just played it. I can't remember. All I know is that I just call one, uh, the lamp looking one and then the ball. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I, yeah, maybe like a co-op campaign would be pretty cool, but honestly, if they just gave us something like Portal 2 or like if it was just co-op stuff, I'd be okay with that too. Um, because again, like I just love how Portal, Portal 2 just kind of tickled my creative brain juices the right way um and it's just such a fun game to replay over and over again so um yeah maybe i, th I think the only thing that i would say would probably be like a co-op uh main campaign i like that destin any any sort of mechanic uh, mechanical ideas for what an, another portal could do that would be uh that would be interesting to you i think we already know gameplay wise what works really well for this game it's really really good puzzles with humor sprinkled throughout that teaches you more and more about the world and the universe that you're in. And these characters who created Gladys, who created the uh, whole environment that you're being experimented on uh, within, right? So just more of that. That's all they really need to do. They need to flesh that out further. Mechanic-wise, like, I'm not a game designer, so I wouldn't even begin to be able to speculate what they would be able to do mechanic-wise. Because the gameplay is already so good. I think with the sequel, what they did was larger environments. Like you're seeing this huge environment, lots of space, yeah. and you would have to like traverse large spaces. So I wonder with the sequel, because at the end of two, spoiler warning, I believe no, you don't end up. spoil it. Are you serious? No, he's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been that how long? We can spoil it, surely. Yeah. Fast you end up outside like the facility. That's all I was going to say. So there's an opportunity there <laughs> to develop uh, around that concept of being yeah. outdoors as opposed to, you know, being locked in this this area. And there have been mods for um, Half-Life 2 that add the portal gun, and it, it really adds some really interesting gameplay elements to those other games that aren't meant to have a portal gun and suddenly you're teleporting behind enemies. It's really fun. 
Um, well, I don't know. I don't have a concrete answer, but yeah, I trust these um, the amazing developers who brought us two phenomenal games to come up with those solutions on their own. Well, uh, th if you've finished Half-Life 2 Episode 2, you know there, whoa, whoa, is, spoilers. A, there is a reason that <laughs> someone might want to mod the portal gun into, uh, into yeah. the Half-Life universe. We'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, for me, I, I think uh, the, the only thing, again, I have to echo what you guys said. I mean, I'm also not a game designer, and the Valve designers are 100 times smarter than me. But the, the one thing that just quickly comes to mind that they could sort of add as a wrinkle to the, the portal stuff is maybe like a time travel element, like to just add another oh complex layer no. to the puzzle stuff. My brain. I can see that being, you know, some, some time manipulation stuff could be, could be interesting as well. Stella, you're, you're, you're rejecting My that brain. premise. No, that's too much. You want sorry, the TMD ahead. from Singularity, right? <laughs> sorry there was a time yeah. manipulation device yeah. in this game no, called singularity good ra from, from raven software yeah yeah, yeah. sorry I, no no it's fine it's I, I know portal 3 if it does come out it it's going to have pretty high expectations it needs to meet but i don't think throwing in like a time mechanic is going to necessarily help that because that there is such a thing as doing too much now if that was like a specific level that would be really cool like if you didn't have your portal gun and it had to do with like Going back into the heyday of uh, Portal, you know, when when the facility was up and running and like, you know, yeah. in its glorious days, that'd be really cool. Like a flashback thing. That'd be really cool. Um, that sounds dope. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what's going on and I already <laughs> think that sounds amazing, so I'm in. <laughs> I think it'd be super cool because we get bits and pieces of the lore through like, you know, interactions with like, you know, writings on the wall or like little bits that GLaDOS gives us. I would love like a full-blown look at what the facility looked like before everything fell apart. That'd be really cool. But I, I think like the only campaign that has done time mechanics really well was that Titanfall 2 campaign moment cause and effect. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Portal 2 or if Portal 3 could properly replicate that in a way that made sense to the Portal universe. But yeah, that's just my little nerdy thoughts. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, the one other note I wanted to add to this before we move on to our next story, because we actually have a lot to talk about this week is that uh, just one other note of optimism about the potential of a Portal 3. And that is, there's someone new at Valve, new-ish, new compared to when Portal 2 was made, uh, for all the talent, all the wonderful people that, that worked on Portal 2. There is a gentleman by the name of Sean Vanneman, who works at Valve now. Uh, he, his company was acquired by Valve. Uh, Sean Vanneman, if you don't know, he's been on this podcast before, although it's been a long time. He wrote Firewatch. He wrote The Walking Dead Season 1 for Telltale, regarded by many folks as the best of the, the Telltale games. Uh, he also wrote Half-Life Alex, And the if you've played all of Alex, the ending of that uh, was, was Mr. Vanneman as well, which was a stunning ending to, to Half-Life Alex. So... The fact that you could have Sean Vanneman uh, contributing to that alongside Eric Walpaw and that team would be very appealing. Very, very, very appealing. So I'm uh, going to try and speak this into existence. I'm joining Eric Walpaw. We are, we are uh, putting our collective energies out into the universe. To, to uh, Gabe Newell, if he will hear us, Gabe, we got to do it. This has got to happen. Somebody's got to make this, make this a reality. Uh, Something that never got to be a reality, Mr. Fixer, was Amy Hennig's Star Wars game. 
back at EA, uh, which famously kind of imploded, was canceled really by EA. She was making it at Visceral, which is here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, they were the makers of Dead Space, of course, and they were working on a, a Star Wars game called Project Ragtag, which was a third-person cinematic narrative adventure, you know, not unlike her Uncharted games in sort of core basic uh, outline. Five years after that, uh, the closure of that studio and, and the end of that project, Amy Hennig is back at work on a Star Wars game at Skydance Media, who announced that Amy and the team are working on a brand new game set in the Star Wars universe. Little is known about the new project, except that it will be a, quote, richly cinematic action-adventure game featuring an original story set in the Star Wars galaxy. Mr. Fixer, how uh, are, are you hyped for this? Give me something. So, I, so okay, here we go. So, <laughs> Star Wars as a series is something that I'm, I've come in and out of my entire life. Yeah. But video games, when it comes to Star Wars, is something that I love. It's, it's a way that I'm able to digest these stories. And this, I'm all over. I'm in. I'm 100% in. We already know what to expect from a game like this. And on the next-gen hardware, it could look even better. Storytelling is where I fall in love. That's what I care about most in video games. So give me the stories, and I will be excited for them. Why are you smiling so hard, Destin? I see you out here. What's going on? What are you, what are you up to? No, no, you're doing great. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> nothing, I, nothing, nothing. I love that you know Destin enough that when he's smiling, he's either up to something or he yeah. really wants to say something. Just thinking like, about I'm... the joke for later. <laughs> and I'm laughing oh at my own joke. Oh, God. Okay. I'm, ex I'm excited, personally. I'm super excited. Um, I don't know what to... Like, we know what to expect gameplay-wise, I'd assume, because of what we've seen previously. But I don't know. I'm just... I just I'm looking forward to new stories. That's what I care yeah. about. So story, I mean, story, if, story. And if that's what you care about, Amy Hennig's exactly the kind of game developer that, that you want making a exactly. Star Wars game. There is no question about that. Uh, Destin, let's go to you. The, the, we could see the thoughts percolating in your brain expressed on your face. Now is your chance to release those thoughts. Uh, is this going to get canceled? Because like, I'm no. tired of all of the projects getting mm. repeatedly canceled. She's one of the best writers in the industry. She wrote Legacy of Kane. She created the, she co-created the Uncharted games. And like, I don't know why, but I just feel like she keeps getting the short end of the stick in the industry. I want to see one of her projects come to life. I want to see her work continue to thrive. And I want the Legacy of Kane games remastered, all of them. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of my reaction to the whole thing. I, I want it. To become a reality and i'm s tired of that not happening it's just really it's unfortunate and uh her talent is i would say unmatched i really want to see one of her stories come to life again this yeah is it's one. a fair point uh this is the one that's coming yeah there's there's no way i mean it's this is gonna happen i would i would be stunned if this uh did not make it to the finish line i mean there's there's not going to be any uh, overarching corporate nonsense that, that gets in the way of this. Because um, you got to figure Lucasfilm might be financing some of this as well. We don't know. I, I want to make, make it clear. I don't know that. Um, Skydance is, you know, they're a big uh, entertainment company unto themselves in the, in the film space. So um, 
Not that EA wasn't also a big company and they still canceled Project Ragtag. But yeah, I, I expect that, that Lucasfilm would not have even entered into this if they weren't confident that, that they were going to make it to the finish line. Uh, Stella, how about you? I mean, are you a uh, are you an Amy Hennig fan? How what's what's your level of enthusiasm for this relative to other Star Wars games? I mean, a successful woman in gaming, yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, but also, I think the fact that Lucasfilm did partner with her a second time is a really good sign. Um, so they clearly uh, they believe in her vision, and um, you know, I, I think that also this announcement, seeing how much support is pouring out over this project, I think that response is also going to help fuel this project. Um, so I am leaning more on the positive side, and honestly, I went into um, I know this is like a totally different game, but um, I mean, I did I held no expectations for the original story that Jedi Fallen Order was going to be giving us, right? Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's Star Wars, like yeah, Star Wars is okay. Like I'm a casual fan. Um, and I played this game and I ended up falling in love with the story that they told. And I think that, um, with this new project in the works, I'm just like, I'm just excited for more original stories for something else. That's going to tell us more about this universe, um, that we haven't experienced before, especially in a video game format where you get to personally feel the world. Like the first opening scene of Jedi Fallen Order, as soon as you walk into the planet and you just hear the environment, you see everything, you're just like, oh my God. This is such a cool universe. So I'm just really excited to see what'll, what'll come of it. Um, I don't doubt that the uh, story will be incredible. So yeah, very excited. More on the positive side of this uh, becoming a um, project that comes to fruition, so. Yeah, I wonder, can you guys think of any other like infamously canceled Star Wars games? Because I'm trying to think of, because there, there, there's obviously Ragtag and then there's 1313, um, which was also really, you know, that was shown behind closed doors at E3 Back in 2013, something like that, you know, roughly nine, ten years ago. I'm just I'm trying to think if we could make like a almost like a hall of fame of, <laughs> of like notoriously canceled Star Wars projects. But yeah, I agree. This is this is not going to be one of those. Thankfully, um, funny enough, Amy Hennig's also working on a Marvel project and that's Skydance too. So she's uh, she's gone full Disney here. She's got she's got uh, both sort of big entertainment arms of uh of disney working working with her team uh i wanted to point out like the the massive role that lucasfilm the the resurrected lucasfilm games has been on tell me if you, if i'm missing anything here folks uh is it so you've got you've got this you got this announcement uh lucasfilm has also gone out and partnered with machine games on indiana jones which You've I got, think some concept art just came. I saw some concept art floating around about it. It looks really, really intriguing. Oh, is that noob? Did that happen while I was on vacation? Uh, I don't know. I just saw it on Twitter, so I wasn't able to hmm. verify it. But okay. I'm just bringing it up because I'm sure our fans have, have seen it. Yeah, I'll have to take a look for that after the show. But uh, So you've got, yeah, Machine Games Indiana Jones Project, Aspire's KOTOR remake, Quantic Dreams Star Wars Eclipse, which is you know probably going to be a... Quantic Dream style, super, super cinematic, high budget adventure game, which is right up my alley. You've got uh, elsewhere in the Lucasfilm universe, you've got Ron Gilbert's Return to Monkey Island, which I was, of course, <laughs> uh, gushing about two weeks ago before I, I took my vacation. And, and that's, and now this. So they're, Lucasfilm is just going out and granting fan wishes right now. And I, I for one, you could not one. be happier about it. 
I think you forgot one, Ryan. Did I? I probably the, did. The the division team is making a Star Wars game. Thank you. Oh yes, God, that's, that's another. Yes, see, I knew oh. I would forget one. And that's yeah, and that's another. Uh, and that's going to be what? That's an open world, uh, like just an open world Star Wars game, right? I think they have they've confirmed for that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I remember. I think the. I think you're right, but I don't know if it's been confirmed. I think the closest Star Wars thing that we got was the the Swatter Star Wars: The Old Republic, which was an MMO. Which Right. I don't know, even if you play through like the base storyline, which doesn't take too long, that game's really good too. Like uh, the Star Wars franchise has had a lot of quality titles in its library since even Force Unleashed was pretty cool. The original one, granted it had its yeah. flaws, but I, I, I enjoyed the storytelling so much in Force Unleashed that back in the day I made a DVD of all the cutscenes. That's how big of a nerd I was. I still have <laughs> it in my DVD collection where I, I went through the whole game and I captured the movie before people were really doing that. And I made a personal DVD for myself so I could watch it in the future. Um, anyway, uh, there have been so many great Star Wars games that we've been treated to as, as Star Wars fans and as gamers. And I can't wait to see what all these games are, what they end up being in the future. And like, like we just got squadrons. So like, if you're really True. into Star Wars squadrons, like the, the flight mechanics, that, that game I was- I think that's on Game Pass now. It is on Game Pass. Yeah. Game Pass Ultimate, cause it's part of EA Play, right? Right. But um, yeah, so like, just like keep them coming. And we know Force Unleashed 2 is coming out and that's, yeah. Star Wars, The Force Unleashed. That was the, no, Jedi Fallen Order. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. The so with... There was a Force Unleashed. Yeah, too. Yeah. Cal Kestis. Happened. Cal Kestis, <laughs> the character. I lose track of the names, but I like the games. <laughs> yeah. Very lots to look forward to. Uh, good stuff from the, the Lucasfilm licensing team. They are partnering up with some awesome developers and making uh, some, some fan wishes come true here. <laughs> I love it. Uh, classic games, more classic stuff. Let's talk Sega here. They are reportedly, according to a report from Bloomberg, uh, working on big-budget reboots of Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio with the intention of creating new installments that generate recurring revenue and online communities. According to that report from Bloomberg, the reboots are part of Sega's Super Game Initiative, which aims to create games with large communities and the ability to generate a long tail of revenue basically the Fortnite model of microtransaction-fueled content drops. Bloomberg sources claim that the Crazy Taxi reboot's been in development for over a year and that Sega aims to release it within the next two to three years. It and Jet Set Radio are allegedly two of four planned super games, with a third apparently being a first-person shooter that aims to generate $780 million over its lifetime, a number I suspect that that probably translates to like a big round number of Japanese yen would be my guess is why that's seemingly odd $780 million number. Both Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio date back to the Dreamcast. And so uh, it seems nostalgia is in play here should these end up making it to the finish line. Uh, Bloomberg right. does, does say they are both in early stages. So just warning that, you know, there's no guarantee that these won't get canceled at some point. If it's you know obviously not going well, but uh, Crazy Taxi, this has probably there's probably a lot of fond memories uh, on this panel from the Crazy Taxi days. I see Fixer nodding his head. Yes. You, you take yeah, the floor, yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course. 
of the course, offspring crazy live on. Iconic. As long <laughs> as they're <laughs> as long as they're crazy taxi games, the offspring will continue <laughs> to to be able to put their kids through college. What what's interesting to me for this is obviously talking about like uh microtransactions and things like that. How do you microtransaction Crazy Taxi in the right way? Is what worries me. And my Oh, is, it won't be the right way. Come on. <laughs> look, hey, hey, let's let's try and be optimistic for a second here. What you do is you let us drive around as the Master Chief. You let us drive if they're gonna go the Fortnite model, go and license everything. I wanna be picking up Mickey Mouse on the street. I wanna be picking up Spider-Man. That's where they've got to go with this to get at my wallet every two seconds. And I'll be in. I'll be in all day long. Don't forget Ariana Grande now. <laughs> of course, of course. How did I forget? How dare I? How dare I? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. So what? So what? You you pick up Spider Man, then you get charged an actual real world fee for having to pick <laughs> no. up that licensed character. No, I'm just saying I'll play Spider Man. Come on. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Could you imagine? Like, yeah. that's that's the way I see it. Anyways, <sighs> like to make Crazy Taxi relevant again with a new audience, they've got to bring in the right IP. Because I don't know if this is gonna sit well. It, for me, yeah, I played this game in an arcade, but how do they bring in the kids? And this is a great model of a game of driving around, smashing, duh, duh, duh. we all know what Crazy Taxi is, but how do they get the kids involved and how do they get their version of the V-Bucks involved? And it's by licensing characters. Problem with that is it costs a hell of a lot of money to license these characters. Yeah. Yeah. No, good point. I think uh, you could have big artists that you download like music tracks for for the radio station in the car as well your soundtrack that could be another option um but you're absolutely right and uh what why are we seeing <laughs> it looks like this has already been done there were holster missions um, this i didn't um, even i don't even remember this if you're listening on audio we're watching gameplay footage of a number of licensed things that already did happen in crazy taxi at some point or some version you want a new crazy taxi? taxi? Are you sure? Whole <laughs> <laughs> oh, media was a, takeover. That wasn't an Xbox game. That was a mobile game, though. That don't count. That don't yeah, count. No, that's fair. Yeah, you know, you know, Jet Set Radio, a game all about anti-establishment use, <laughs> roaming Tokyo, spray painting walls. Now they can spray paint walls and it'll be like KFC, finger licking good, or oh Mountain Dew and Doritos. Get yours today. Or maybe you could call Pizza Hut and order a pizza while you're spray painting graffiti on the city walls of Tokyo Toe. Uh, man, that just seems really in line with what that brand is all about. And I would be very stoked to see that that sort of product integration. Thanks, Sega. I'd well, you, sir. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I know you're you're kidding, but not, Destin. So Stella oh. is... So is excited. There, is there a is there a version of a of a big budget Jet Set Radio reboot that would have microtransactions that wouldn't be gross? I don't know how that would work. <laughs> um, as someone who plays a lot of games that are live action or live action live service games that require um, you know they're free to play, so of course they uh, have battle passes and stuff. Um, there is no game that does it perfectly, right? Like even yeah. Fortnite is not perfect and that's okay. But taking an already established game with such a huge audience and adding that would kind of be a slap to the face, I think, especially when they've been demanding for something uh, from them for so long. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with setting a like 
price for this game, like $60 and selling it at that price. And that's fine. That's it. Right. Um, maybe DLC stuff, maybe like exclusive skins, just like as a pack, like, I don't know, like a $10 pack. That's fine. Um, but I don't know about like a microtransaction fueled model, like Fortnite. I don't think that would work. Yeah, it's going to, that's going to be tricky. Now, uh, talk about, can this be good? There is one developer that immediately comes to mind that would guarantee this would be good, but for business reasons, uh, see you using fixers uh, terminology. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's almost yeah. certainly would not happen. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're thinking microtransactions, Destin, sure. But <laughs> like in all seriousness, if, if you were to just, if you were to say, if, if, if I were in charge of this super game initiative and it's like, I had more or less a blank check to go do a big budget reboot of Jet Set Radio Future. You'd go get Insomniac to do it. You'd go get Insomniac because they, you know, they made they they made Sunset Overdrive, which was, you know, kind of a spiritual successor to this in a sense. The problem, of course, being again the business reasons. Sony owns Insomniac, so uh, and, and, and and no no offense, Ryan, to Jet Set fans. But they're working on Wolverine and Spider-Man. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah, they're, they're a little busy with, with some uh, big name stuff. And as a huge Wolverine fan, please just keep working on those two games. Yeah. And don't yeah, take on a happen, jet set. But, it's, but they are the developer that comes to mind for me as somebody who yeah. would, like, I would have full confidence would completely nail a, uh, a jet set reboot. But yeah, I don't know. This is... Uh, this is going to be tricky to see to see where this goes. Uh, you know, each each of these sounds like they're still both in rather early development. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, we're watching some Jet Set B-roll right now. Or this no, this is this sunset. is Sunset. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. this looks. That's not Jet Set. That's the actual game I was just talking about. Uh, PS Play Sunset Overdrive again. Please, haven't so already. Fun. I oh, so I remember going to GameStop to just pick up a game. I was just like, oh, let's let's see what what we've got on the in the budget aisle, and you know it was on sale, so I got it, and I was like, wait, this is good. Why why are more people not playing this? This is good. Because <laughs> it became Every Spider Man. Game Pass, because Game Pass didn't <laughs> exist at the time. That's why nobody played know, it. If that game comes out now nah, with Game Pass, this is the biggest hit ever. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just that Game Pass didn't exist. Is this game came out in fall of 2014. Arguably at like Xbox's lowest point. Yeah, I mean, 2013 was bad, but you know, 20 everything was still in the pits in 2014, and they dropped this new, brilliant original IP. It in the they did it. They dropped it in the fall, which the yep. fall is a tough time for non-franchise games, especially on consoles that at the time no one wanted. So yeah, this this game did not fail for because it was bad it was, it was no. just they were such a victim of uh this game was a victim of its of unfortunately its time and its uh its platform at the time as much as i hate to say it but on yeah, game pass go play it, it is now yeah you can rectify <laughs> if you never played it as most of you probably never did it holds up it's still awesome the, the thing i love i mean mo traversal in this game is amazing and uh, the other thing that really stuck out to me about Sunset Overdrive, because I'm a person, I've said this before, uh, Fixer, I don't know how you are with this, but I'm generally speaking kind of tired of open world games. It's not that oh, I yes. won't play them. It's not that I don't play them. Yep. It's that I don't, I will say I don't finish most of them. 
because mm-hmm. even the story, let alone like all 7,000 to-do list items. But this game, Sunset Overdrive, it made, this game made every little activity fun because yep. it, it just, through either the cutscenes or the the traversal, it just, it made, nothing felt repetitive in this game. Everything no. felt unique and fresh and original. And I just had such a good time with it. And uh, I, I, I've been on this podcast and said that I do think Sunset Overdrive might be the best Xbox One game, at least exclusive, yeah. as it still is exclusive, on that console. And it was just criminally underplayed. I totally agree with you. It was one of those games that just allowed you to have fun. And that's kind of what I, for, I think we forget sometimes when it comes to gaming. We, we love stories. We love a lot of other stuff, but especially the internet nowadays. You know, the fun part of gaming. And that's what Sunset Overdrive was to me. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Uh, absolutely well said. Uh, let's see. Let's get, I want to get a couple more stories done here before we get to trivia. CD Projekt Red has announced that it's delaying the next gen version of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt indefinitely. And it will no longer be releasing it this quarter. Part of the delay may have to do with the change in developer. Previously, the update was being developed externally by Saber Interactive, but CD Projekt has elected to bring the remainder of the game's development in-house. Quote, we have decided to have our in-house team conduct the remaining work on the next-gen version of The Witcher 3. Uh, We are currently evaluating the scope of work to be done and thus have to postpone our Q2 release until further notice. We will update you. As soon as we can, thank you for your understanding. Uh, Destin, any thoughts on why this would suddenly just change hands and be uh, put on hold? Yeah, they don't want to destroy their reputation again. <laughs> I think they've earned a lot of good goodwill back. Yeah. And right now, they're like, okay, people are playing Cyberpunk with fresh eyes for the first time. Uh, it was recently on sale after their big patch. And for, for a large... Majority of people, it was a positive experience. They know they've sort of hit at least in a better understanding with the community about how they messed up and where they're at. Even if everybody will remember that, I feel like they're kind of at a good point right now. So if they were to release something and it just wasn't up to where it needed to be, it would have been shredded. And I think it's totally fine for them to delay it if that's what they need to do. Please do that. Don't release a mess. Take the time you need. Uh, don't do what you did with those base consoles ever again. That's that's sort of my take yeah. on it. Still, this does seem kind of like sudden, for lack of a better term, given that we're in Q2. Yeah, I mean, I'm just echoing Destin's thoughts. I mean, like, it. I don't think, because this game has already been out for so long, I don't think it needs the next-gen upgrade immediately, and I think that's why they're taking their time with it. Um, especially with the, uh, they recently announced that they are working on another title, right? So I feel like with them doing that, they are being extra careful to take all the necessary steps to make sure they don't make that same big mistake that they did before. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people at this point, I have seen so many more people be like, yeah, please take your time with whatever you do. We don't care. We would rather you take time with things, give us a more realistic timeline, even if that means no release date or anything like that is fine. And especially for such a beloved title like Witcher 3, I think this is fine. Like, this is, no one is going to be hurting for a lack of a next-gen upgrade currently. And I think that they're doing the right thing here. Yeah, Fixer, are you, uh... uh, I think it comes down to... You're in with this, right? 
Yeah, it just comes down to the thought process of if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself, right? Mm. They may not have been happy with where the current project was. It could be a case of they understand The Witcher is CG Project Red. Simple as. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what gets put out by who made it. We know who we're thinking of when we think of this game. Yeah. So whoever does the remake, it isn't their name on the line here. It is CD Projekt Red's name. Point. So for them at the end of the day, they've got to take it to themselves and go, okay, whether it's good, bad, anything in between, they need to take it in and go, okay, we need this to be the best it can be because we know, we know what's happened in the past. Let's move on beyond that. We're in a good place now. Let's make sure we get this right. And then we can move on to our next project and people not be scared. Because I, for one, a year, a year ago or whenever um, Cyberpunk came out, I know I was like, well, I'm not touching the next game. All right, slowly but surely we get to where we've got to. And you want to win back some of those people such as myself, right? You want to be able to go, you can trust us again. And with this, they then can. Yeah, and because this should be a layup, right? Kind of like like Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Like you look at what that did for rehabilitating Bioware's reputation, at least a bit, right? I'm not saying everybody's like, you know, back to where they were six years ago with uh with how they're feeling about Bioware, but but it's right, it's kind of a similar thing, right? There's a you know, you could put this out there if it's a good a good next gen update, it only helps rebuild the uh, the CD project reputation a little bit. Exactly, exactly. There's, they get this right, everyone loves them again. They get this wrong, <clears throat> I don't even want to think about it. I'll leave that to Destin. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the whole <laughs> digs deeper if they get it wrong. Um, you know, the one other thing that comes to mind, I will say, uh, so Saber, there's, there's, uh, they have a track record, a good one, I would say, in terms of at least remakes, enhancements. They did Halo Anniversary, the first... Halo 1's, uh, you know, re remake, next-gen, you know, where they, they put in the button where you could switch back and forth on the fly, and they did a good job with that. Um, however, I do wonder, you know, you all are absolutely correct in that this could be a, a quality issue. Maybe CD Projekt is not happy with the, the progress or the work being done. It could be, uh, there's an and-or to this, though, uh, it, that it, in geopolitical terms of, Saber Interactive is, I think, officially based out of like New Jersey or something, but they're mostly most of their team is Russian. Uh, they are they are in Russia, so I kind of wonder if that might again. This is pure speculation. We have not had any official comment, but speaking to you know, building on your guys's points about uh, very good points about the uh, you know CD Projekt not wanting another scandal another you know sort of self a self-inflicted wound they might not even want the the hassle of oh well you know what are you doing working with the russians they're you know they're do, invading uh... ukraine so i could see that maybe being a part of this because we've seen a lot of businesses around the world completely pull out of their their business interests in russia so if that were the case here they would be far 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 from the only ones so um, there's certainly more to this story, and hopefully someday we'll kind of get the full extent of it. But as you all wisely note, the most important thing is that this project gets done well so that this layup isn't missed by CD Projekt Red and that uh, Witcher 3 will live on on a new generation of consoles uh, as the, the, the name, the Witcher franchise is bigger than ever, uh, thanks in large part to the excellent Netflix show, too, that's 
no doubt bringing more players on board. Uh, one more thing here real quick that I've got to mention as uh, hopefully that the sound of drilling ne- happening next door to my next door neighbors isn't coming through on the microphone. This okay. this is just like interesting to me and probably I have to say I'm pessimistic here. I got to see where you guys are at with this. Warner Brothers troubled Minecraft movie is reportedly negotiating with Jason oh Momoa, a.k.a. Aquaman, to voice the main protagonist. According to the Ankler, WB's, here's where it gets, it's not the Momoa part that, that disturbs me, it's this. Warner Brothers' rights to Minecraft expire in January 2023, so coming up, less than a year. Meaning the studio must start production on the movie before then in order to retain the rights and move, move forward with it. In addition to Momoa, the film has apparently also tapped Jared Hess to direct. He's best known for directing Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. The report also states that Warner Brothers is looking to turn the Minecraft movie into a franchise if the first movie can get off the ground. Obviously, we have uh, Sonic as a recent example of, uh, well, the only example of an actual good and highly successful video game-based movie franchise. Uh, It seems Warner is hoping that Minecraft can be next in line to continue that trend. The Minecraft movie's troubled development dates back nearly a decade when Night at the Museum director Sean Levy left the project over creative differences. Levy was replaced by It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia co-creator Rob McElhenney, but he also dropped out. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced his last name right there. So, uh, Fixer, what could possibly go wrong when trying to rush a big-budget Minecraft movie into production just so that you don't lose the opportunity to make a bunch of money on it. Absolutely nothing. This is going to be a perfect (laughs) movie. I don't know what you guys are talking about or what it is you're alluding to. This is going to be so much better than Sonic, which I had a very low bar for. Look, films, video games, they don't need to be each other, right? Minecraft, on the other hand, is a huge IP. So I see why they want this to happen. This is 100% going to get rushed out. And we're all going to be very sad. It's going to be very bad. I'm sorry. There's there's no way this is good, right? No one thinks there's a chance this is going to be good. You can't do something in such a small time frame just because and expect things to go well, right? We've learned that through all forms of medium. And this is no different. This film, if this film is good... I'm never going to podcast again. I'm putting my life on end. <laughs> wow. All right. Timestamp this. Uh, pl- you know, all you My Xbox and Me fans who listen to mm-hmm. MC Fixer's podcast, that's, you got, you've got it. You've got that on film now. You've got that recorded. <laughs> He's going on record. <laughs> uh, yeah, Destin, a, a, a rushed script could, that always works, right? Yeah. Very excited. <laughs> Look, if Telltale can make a charming, funny game, centered in the minecraft universe and i believe Patton oswald was like one of the lead characters the lead character like minecraft steve right yeah how can how can it be possible that warner brothers does screw this up like (laughs) please don't i i i have a little bit more hope than you fixer i think they might be able to pull it off uh yeah like there's so many talented writers out there in hollywood i just it just feels like it's so easy to adapt. Look at all the good animated films we've gotten. The Lego movies are pretty good. The Sonic movies are pretty good. Minecraft, 
yes, there's been a lot of disasters like Warcraft, et cetera, et cetera. But Minecraft seems easier to write for than some of these deep lore uh, pro, uh, movies, I guess. I was trying to say television shows. And I hope that they can figure out how to make it work. Stella, where are you with this? Oh, no, it's a Minecraft movie. Like, I don't know how to, like, do we need a Minecraft movie? That is not something that, oh my we God. We needed an emoji movie, apparently, and look how that went. Uh... <laughs> I had suppressed that, and you brought sorry, it back I'm... from the deep recesses of my mind. Thank and you. And Sausage Fest, let's not forget. That was funny. What are you talking about? Are sausage Party was on good. That? Had no, no, I'm what? just saying we have so many great examples of cinematic storytelling to to lend upon in animated. I, if you're suggesting like, we like let Seth Rogen write the Minecraft movie, I'm with you 100%. You know, I watched that. No, okay, I watched watch that. Yeah. yeah. And I take was, back my previous statement. I take yeah. it back. Don't, don't cancel me, all right? Yeah, and it's just, and it's just satire about like, why am I here? Why do I have to dig for these things? Why can't I just live yeah. with in civilization? Like, that would be great. Um, mm. But I, I, yeah, the direction of this kind of concerns me, the fact that the script is going to get rushed. Um, and we know that there can be such great storytelling in Minecraft, a universe where people don't really know that much about the game. You just drop in, you're like, it's a survival game. Cool. But there are clearly different bits of lore that you can discover in the game that most casual players will not come across. So there's a lot of different things you can do with this. Um, again, I don't think there's a need for a Minecraft movie. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i not really going to be paying attention to the news for this. And I think my Microsoft will be fine. Like, yeah, it'll be sunk money, but and it's Microsoft. Like, I, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, they're paying $70 billion for Activision. I think, you know, they, they could definitely okay. sustain a $100 million Minecraft movie flop yeah. if, that, if it comes to that. They'll be fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned about, like, I don't think they care. If they're rushing through the script, it's clear that they honestly also don't care about, like, how well this does. It's just a project for fun. Like, it's whatever. So, all right, here's, here's a trivia question. This is a good one. Uh, mm -hmm. It's... It's definitely going back, but that's all right. You all have kind of an equal shot here because I'm not even sure I would guess this correctly, but it's a good question. It comes from Trevor in Vancouver Island, Canada. His gamer tag is Pillar of Awesome. Nice, nice. reference to Halo there. I like so it. Trevor asks, which of the following original Xbox launch games received the lowest score on IGN? Oh. <laughs> and there are some, there are some uh, gems here. So <laughs> Dark Summit. Fusion Frenzy, Shrek, or Mad Dash Racing. So, you know, not exactly the Halos and Oddworlds of, of the lineup here. Uh, this is the, the bottom end of the lineup. Which one got the lowest score on IGN? I'm going to go to, of course, our guest, MC Fixer, first. Shrek. Don't mess this up. 100%. 100% it was Shrek. Oh, very confident. It. Okay. I feel it in my tummy. All right. Well. Uh, it's, well, Shrek was always hungry, so that's, uh, you get oh, the, my... you're tying in, yeah, I like the tie-in there. Uh, Stella, I'll go to you next. See, I was guessing Shrek, but I don't know, I don't want to stack up, who knows, because we, we all stacked up that one time, and we all missed the points, <laughs> which was really funny. Uh, what were the other options? You've got Dark Summit, which okay. is a game I barely remember, uh, <laughs> Fusion Frenzy, so Miranda's not here to defend that one. And uh, Mad Dash Racing. Okay, I... 
I it has to be Shrek. I, it has to be. Yeah, I want to say Shrek because it has this legacy of being like a good, really goofy and memeable movie. And if the game didn't live up to that hype, it probably would have gotten a bad score. So, yeah, I guess Shrek. <laughs> okay, so you are going to throw your yeah. lot in. Okay, yeah. all right. All right. Uh, Destin, that leaves you now. So Mad Dash Racing was a racing game, right? Sure. He's not allowed to you tell know? you the name. <laughs> He's not allowed to yeah, tell okay. you. <laughs> can you tell, can tell me you what Dark Summit game type was? Oh, I have to um, see this. I have to look up, but I will do so. You've been smart real. here. I just went yeah. with my tummy. Now you're like playing the game yeah. properly. You can tell I'm not on there every week. You can tell. It was a snowboarding game. Oh. Dark Summit. I remember it. I recognize that name. Uh, and then Mad Dash Racing. And then what was the other one, Ryan? Shrek and... Uh, Fusion Frenzy. Fusion Frenzy. Oh, it's not Fusion Frenzy. No way. Uh, I'll say Mad Dash Racing. That was my initial thought. But I'm torn between that and Dark Summit. When was this, by the way, when these games came out? November 15th, 2001. So Ooh. over 20 years ago now. They are old. Did um, anybody get it right? Yes. Uh, well, Stella, you decided to throw your lot in with a very confident MC fixer. <laughs> and the question is, if you were, you know, if you were right to do that. As it turns out, you were correct to do that because oh, that God. confidence okay. rumbling from the tummy of MC Fixer <laughs> no, uh, was okay, correct. Also, my reasoning was pretty good. The movies were great at the time that they came out. They had a lot of hype to live up to. So, yeah, this, I don't think that, it was as bad as me. I, the, I, who, who did the review? I want to call them. But nobody that still works here. I don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was gonna say um, I was eight. We're gonna have words when those Matt reviews Cass came out. <laughs> like I did not pay attention to IGN. So, <laughs> well, this is uh, you got to you got to remember too. Back then, twenty years ago, that was when most, by rule, most movie licensed games were objectively terrible. Oh my god, yeah, yep. no, yeah. like reskinned uh, games of like yeah. other, yeah, they were real bad. Uh, for oh my one god, that's terrifying. There it is. For those who are watching it on video. Oh my god. Oh watching God, us on the video the version screen. there's it looks Shrek fine the what were the Xbox. scores i want to know what the uh, scores were it, so it, it got a uh, it got a 5.6 yep oh, this what, is what did mad dash racing get i don't know i don't have Does that he i'm gonna every time he jumps <laughs> i think he farts every time he jumps <laughs> he probably does <laughs> i just saw a gas of green come out as he oh my god this is okay it got a well, 7.7 uh stella that that puts you one point behind Miranda for the lead here. We have Miranda at four oh, points, yay. Stella at three, Destin at two, and MC Fixer on the board with one as well. Well, so hopefully we'll have you back on at some point this year, and you never know. The Catching rate, up. The rate these guys, yeah, you might catch up. There's, you've got yeah, a shot. Geez. There's you've a chance. I might not come lost. I might not come lost. That's all I care about, right? <laughs> well, uh, thank you for the trivia question there. And if anybody else has an Xbox trivia question, send it my way. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Include the question, four multiple choice answers, note the correct one in your email, and include your name, and if you like, your gamer tag as well, and we'll play again next week. Uh, so that, comes us, that brings us to the end. We come to the end of Ride the Lightning. Nope, that's my other podcast. Podcast Unlocked. I knew I was going to do that eventually. Podcast Unlocked 540. MC Fixer. Everyone is now reminded of how much fun you are and how much they love you. Please promote yourself. What are you up to? Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, I'm actually making a lot of music at the moment. I play in a role play server for NoPixel. 
uh, which is really interesting. It's a GTA oh. thing. Um, yeah. So my music's now out there in the GTA world, which is super strange. But you can find me everywhere at MC Fixer. And uh, yeah, I'll do a weekly Xbox podcast, my Xbox and me. So if you enjoy hearing free schmucks talk about Xbox and get most things wrong, come over. We just like to banter and talk games. That's what we're all about there. So yeah, come over and check us out. What's your character on the RP server? What's the character's name? MC Fixel. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it's a, it's, well, I grew up on a council estate, so I just used a worse version of myself that's now a gangster and a rapper. So there you go. Oh my God. I may have run into you a couple of, I may have run into you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small world, even in GTA, even though it's a big world with millions of players. <laughs> Stella, how about you? Hi. Uh, oh my God. Brain frazzled. Um, yeah, I'm everywhere at Parallax Stella. Um, actually, so since we were talking about Sunset Overdrive, I finished Elden Ring and I've just been doing like side stuff in it because I'm not ready for it to be over. But if I have a new game to play, I may just start playing Sunset Overdrive on stream. So if you want to see me play it? I'm going to be doing that because why not? <laughs> why not? Excellent. Love that. Destin? I'm still salty about that trivia question. <laughs> I picked the highest rated game on the list. Oh well, my God. It was like Fusion Frenzy than the one I picked. Anyway, man, you know what else has a pinch of salt in it? Legary Bakery cookies. Oh. You can order cookies today at legarybakery.com. We have chocolate chip walnut, chocolate chip, double chocolate, and even a vegan batch that Ryan gave the stamp of approval to. Thank you so much to everybody who has ordered so far. You can check me out on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Destiny channel. And of course, right here on IGN.com. Every week, podcast unlocked. Wow, smooth plug there. That wow. was uh, very impressive. Ryan, <laughs> did, did you do the Rogue Jam plug separately? Because no. it's a really was, good show. Was I supposed to do that? I think we were supposed to. That's fine. <laughs> we're doing this show, Rogue Jam, that I wasn't involved with, but the production team absolutely crushed. It's really, really cool. It gives indie, indie devs a chance at 50 grand. They are every Monday, I believe 9 a.m., just off the top of my head. And I highly recommend you check it out. It is uh, it is a lot of work from the production team, and it, it came out really, really great. I watched the first episode yesterday, and I can't wait to see the other games in the series. So. Yeah, uh, Reggie fils is one of the judges, right? Yeah, yeah Reggie is one yeah, of the judges. He tweeted about and it, so too. is Herr Schneider. Yes. And funnily enough, Matt Casamacita, who probably gave that five <laughs> five point score. Oh Wasn't he God. the Nintendo guy back uh back because that was back yeah, in the day? Yeah, but he when... did other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. And that's all I can think of at the moment. So for Super Producer Red, along with MC Fixer, Stella, and Destin, I'm Ryan. This was again Unlocked 540. We'll see you back here next week.